Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is April 22nd, 2021. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. It is Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. And we have to apologize, Canada. We had some technical difficulties yesterday and we're not able to record an episode until today. So that is why we're a day late. Yeah, apologies for that. And that actually was on my end for, for having some problems with connecting to our, our host server. So got that all straightened out now. And yep, apologies, but we are happy to be with you today. Now, I know I've said this before, Canada, but we have got one hell of a show for you today. I'm not even kidding. This will be the kind of show that you really should share with some of your friends. But most importantly, Lewis, my good friend, how are you today? Um, pretty angry, pretty upset, pretty disappointed. Running yeah, the gamut. About, that about covers it. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I've got some frustration and uh, anger to meet out on today's show as well. So let's get right to it on the show today. Budget 2021, two years in the making, and not worth the wait. COVID, more restrictions, fewer vaccines, and a little bit of talk about the Canadian Football League. Where do you want to start, sir? Let's just dive right in with uh, Budget 2021. Let's do that. So we finally got a budget on the 19th, which was just this past Monday. And we waited two years to get a budget. Canada was the only G7 country that was unable to produce a budget in 2020. And I almost wish that we either could not have had the budget or I wish I hadn't listened to it. Now, it was the longest document in Canadian history as far as the budget is concerned. It was over 700 pages, and I did not read through the whole thing because that would be a cure for insomnia if ever there was one. So I'm going to give the only two highlights that I can see, and then we're going to go through a whole bunch of lowlights, or at least things that make me unhappy at any rate. So. Christopher Freeland introduced the budget as a feminist economic document. Okay, whatever that means, I'm not sure, but okay. And Ezra Levant summarized this as a socialist budget, and that's probably the best descriptor that I can find. Now, Christopher Freeland even said, and I can quote her, our goals are now national. Well, nationally, apparently our goal is to have a $154.7 billion deficit this year. Do you need to hear that again, Canada? $154.7 billion deficit. Now, Lewis, what is the typical government spending for Canada for one year? Isn't it, did you say somewhere in the $280 billion range? Uh, no, it's, uh, I believe, right around uh, $1.1 trillion. Um, it's it's well, that's whatever. Our, that's our debt, yeah. I mean, as far as the government. No, 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 that's our GDP. Um, oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think, oh, no, sorry. I'm thinking of the wrong thing here. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, over, so basically, a little more than half of what the value of government spending is, is going to be added on in deficit this year. Yeah, but so, look on the bright side. They were able to hold our our deficit to less than $400 billion last year. That's true. And as a matter of fact, those thrifty, good, cost-saving liberals, instead of the $383 billion deficit they projected, they managed to keep that deficit down to $354.2 billion. Oh, they deserve some credit for that. My hands are sore from clapping so much, actually. I was I mean, uh, so impressed. I mean, that the, you know what the scary thing is? Is that they actually bragged about that. Good point. They really did. <laughs> All right. So there's the biggest, well, one of the biggest low lights. Another low light is that the CERB is going to be extended, well, it's now called the Canada Recovery Benefit, so it is CRB, is going to be extended to September now. Although come July, the benefit will drop to $300 a week from the current $500 a week. Employment insurance sick leave is going to be extended from 15 weeks to 26 weeks, starting in 2022. Seniors. Uh, I believe it is in August, we'll get a one-time payout of $500 just because, and they will get a bump in the Canada pension premiums starting next year as well. Now, there's money for to spark black and female entrepreneurs. It didn't really say what they were going to do to spark black and female entrepreneurs, but there's money for it. We have less than 3% of our population is black. Yeah, good point. I mean, the programs we have for helping entrepreneurs are already focused on uh, women and minorities. Because believe me, when I started my business, there wasn't a single program for me because I was uh, a white male. I, I looked. There is nothing. And the programs are all based on fe like being female or being a minority. Like those, those programs are already in existence. So I don't know why. I don't know what they're talking about here because it, it really makes no sense. Well, I mean, I think more virtue signaling and well of course yeah yeah and national child care that's the uh, the feather in the cap here this is this is what they're they're basing the election on i think when the election comes which will be this year um 30 billion dollars over five years for national child care to uh cap to make a program that will cap at ten dollars a day and they have to work with provinces to make that happen and after five years, then the, the spending will go up to $8.3 per year. And I don't want to sound like I'm against childcare because I'm not. I, I mean, my kids are now growing up, but I know that how expensive it was, you know, getting them into daycare before and after school care, et cetera. So I'm not trying to diminish the value of, of childcare. 
what I am against is government getting involved in administering said child care. Yeah. I mean, we, I don't know how anybody who paid for their own child care could ever support paying for someone else's. Like I've, my wife and I, we paid for our own child care. I mean, there was, there was a, a couple of years because our kids are three years apart. There was a couple of years where we had over $20,000 in uh, child care expenses in a year. And you know what? We made it work. We figured out how to make it work and we made it work. And I mean, if you can't afford childcare, then maybe you shouldn't be having kids. I hate to sound a little heartless, but I mean, come on. Like it is not everyone else's responsibility to pay for your kids. No, you're absolutely right. It's not. And it's not sounding heartless on your part. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, we already know going in that, you know, you need to provide for your children somehow. And yes, childcare is part of that. And I really have a problem when government says, oh, we're going to spend X number of dollars and create this number of of childcare spaces. Well, just throwing money at the, uh, at it doesn't, automatically create spaces because it's still for the most part private industry that's creating childcare spaces and i know that here in saskatchewan a number of years ago they had uh increased a a, a, sub, a subsidy or no it was the federal government they increased the child care benefit or child benefit and every daycare here in my city increased their rates by the exact amount that the child benefit went up so they really weren't doing any good by the government trying to inject more money. No, and this is something that actually goes to the bigger, uh, to much bigger things in, in, in society. It's like anytime the government gets involved in something, it gets more expensive. Anytime the government gets involved in something, the worse it gets. The worse the service gets, the more expensive it gets. And overall, it's a worse experience. Take universities, for example. University used to be pretty pretty affordable. Then the government got involved. Then it started getting more and more and more expensive. Um, you see it in the States especially. I mean, when university in the States used to be pretty, pretty affordable, then the government offered, came up with the guaranteed student loans. And the cost of going to university shot up instantly. And it keeps going higher because the universities know that these kids are are able to get these loans. And then they start their life off with massive, massive debt that they almost never get out from under. Canada, it's the same thing. I mean, our universities are, I believe... Is it 70? Well, it depends on the province, but 70 to 90% subsidized by the government, by the like provincial and federal governments. It's like between 70 and 90%. And yet tuitions, if you, if you've worked this out, 
tuitions, that means our tuition is like 50 or 60 grand a year if they're subsidized to 80%. Like that's how much a tuition would cost you if the government was not involved. Well, if the government wasn't involved, nobody would be going to school. So those tuitions would be a lot lower. Yeah, that's right. And this is just a, this, and I don't know why anybody wants the government involved in this stuff. Every time the government gets involved in something, like I said, it gets worse. The service gets worse. The experience gets worse because the government doesn't know how to run anything. And when they do start running things, they mess it all up. And it happens every single time. There is nothing the government runs efficiently. There is nothing the government runs properly. You can't name me a single department of the government that runs well. No, I can't. And I uh, I wouldn't even try. Uh, it's... So we'll move on from the child care because... Uh... I have a funny feeling it's just not going to get off the ground. And I know that uh, Christopher Freeland did say that we are going to get it done. And and she even touted the fact that because she's a female finance minister, that's why we have to believe her. So, okay. I guess, believe I guess all that, women. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what else in this budget that really gets me going is that uh, – there will be some tax increases. Now, I know, and I actually listened to the clip earlier today of Justin Trudeau in August of 2020 saying that, no, the, the last thing Canadians need right now are more taxes. The taxes will not be going up. Well, until we get budget 2021, that is. I'm bound to be a smoker or two in our audience, Canada. You will now start paying $4 per carton more for cigarettes. By the way, that started yesterday. So uh, you need to go buy a carton before the tax increase. Too late. They're going to have a vaping tax. They did not say how much, but there is going to be a vaping tax, which will begin later this year. And that tax will be on vaping products, obviously. And there's going to be a 10% tax on high-end cars and personal aircraft valued more than $100,000. How much? 10%. Oh, my God. Yep, so that'll uh, show you rich bastards out there to go and buy that luxury Jaguar or get yourself a crop spraying plane for your farm. That'll teach you 10%. Here's the thing. They act like these rich people buying a a BMW or or a Mercedes-Benz or a Ferrari – isn't like it's not helping society so they gotta tax it well guess what that car was built by somebody it was sold by somebody it's going to be serviced by somebody and being a luxury car it's going to be getting a lot of service because i mean we all know they don't have the greatest reliability so i i I don't understand this I, i mean the, the, the thing I'm noticing is that all the taxes that they're increasing or, or, or imposing in this budget are all taxes that are hitting people that nobody is going to argue with. 
nobody's going to argue with taxing smokers more. Nobody's going to argue with taxing vapors more. Nobody's going to argue with taxing rich people more. That's a good point. And now, did you say any anything over $100,000? That's correct. Okay. I'm buying a brand new diesel truck for my business in 10 days. And that truck, because of the way it's outfitted for towing and for hauling and everything, it's it's a hair less than a hundred thousand. Good thing because if uh, it was over, then it would be an extra ten thousand dollars. Wow! Because guess what? I ain't rich. I'm not even close. I own a small business with with three employees. Yeah, and the last thing you can afford is more taxes because I'm guaranteeing you, Canada, Lewis is not paying cash for that truck. Uh, no way. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. Unbelievable. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yep. But there is hope because the word gender was mentioned, and thank you, Ezra Levant, for keeping track. The word gender was mentioned 727 times in a budget document. Let that think in Canada. That's more than once a page. It is. Yep. That's insane. You know what? You know what was mentioned four times in the budget? Tell me. Pipeline. But not one refers to what uh, you know, real pipelines. It referred to technology pipeline, uh, and knowledge pipeline, and two others. I can't remember. They were like you know things that are not pipelines, like supply chain pipeline or something. Yeah, I, I noticed yeah. that too. Yeah, but only, but not one single mention of a real pipeline. Nope, but they did use the word racialized 114 times. Yeah, yeah. In a budget. Yep. But there are actually two authentic highlights that I can point out from this budget, Canada. And that was what was not in the budget. The Trudeau government, to their credit, did not introduce a national pharmacare program and the government to their credit did not introduce paid sick leave now both of those would probably fall in the provinces anyway but thank you to high heavens for not putting those two in the budget because you've overspent dramatically as it is you know why they didn't do that i have my my suspicions but go ahead because the NDP won't be able to support the budget unless those are in there. That's exactly what I was thinking. They were trying to bait the NDP. Yeah. I think, I because either the NDP votes against the uh, budget, which means the government, the government falls, uh, or they vote for it and Jagmeet Singh falls. 
Yeah, well, and we will, won't leave you in suspense, Canada, because Jagmeet Singh already said yesterday that the NDP will, and he said this how many thousands of times, not give Justin Trudeau the election he wants, and they will be supporting the budget. But in true democratic fashion, Jagmeet Singh is going to allow three of his MPs to vote against so that they can still pass the document. Oh, my God. Do we even live in a democracy? Oh, we don't. We really do not. And to add to your, to your point, there is a, a vote, whether it's today or tomorrow, or maybe it must be next week now because it wasn't today, and it's going to be on some amendments proposed to the budget document, some amendments introduced by the Conservatives, some by the Bloc, and Justin Trudeau has declared that that is going to be a confidence vote. Now, for those of you who don't understand the Canadian parliamentary system, and I know that not all of you are political nerds like Lewis and I, any kind of spending bill, like the budget itself, is automatically a confidence vote. And if the government loses a confidence vote, that automatically means that that the government is, is finished and it's time for a new government. In other words, an election. But because we live in a pseudo-dictatorship, the Prime Minister can declare any vote that he or she considers to be important, a confidence vote. And Justin Trudeau has done this a couple of times in his term as Prime Minister. Jean Chrétien had done it before as well, so this is not new. But Justin Trudeau has said the vote on the amendments to the budget is going to be a confidence vote. So do you really think he wants an election right now? I do. Has that ever happened before? So you were breaking up. Try it again. Has that ever happened before where a government has made the amendments to be confidence votes? Not to my knowledge. Wow, that's um that's that's dangerous territory. Cause that's it's all because, because if nobody wants to have an election, you're you're basically declaring yourself a dictator by making it making everything you do uh a confidence motion. Oh yeah, I mean this this is dangerous stuff. I and now and now I mean we've got the, uh, yeah. Oh my god! Like because now there, there's also this internet control bill that's that's supposed to be uh, getting uh, put in a, before the House of Commons in the next two weeks. Which Actually, let's talk, about, let's talk about that now, because I think we've gotten up about the budget, and that was something you had ranted on, which I was hoping you could expand upon for us for Canada for the show. Yeah, because the, uh, this Internet Control Bill is uh, being introduced to the House by, uh, by Minister Gilbeau, um, and I think it's kind of rich coming from him that he's saying that he's uh, that, that He's looking out for Canadian safety, uh, but the uh, this bill is supposed to, you know, protect people, make Canadians safe on the internet, and but we already have libel laws, and we already have, uh, you know, hate speech laws, and 
all this kind of stuff. And it all applies to the internet. And we already have child pornography laws. And those, again, they are, uh, they apply to the internet. Uh, we have all these laws already to protect Canadians. And so what they, what this is, is it's going to make it uh, a crime for an article or a, a post on the internet to, uh, if, if it has been deemed unsafe by the powers that be, it will be flagged. And once it's flagged, it has, you have 48 hours to remove it from the internet. And if you don't, it's a crime. And Here's the thing. What's unsafe? Who decides what is unsafe? And I, it's, you know, like I said, we already have laws in place to protect Canadians from actual crimes. Uh, so all this can possibly be is to steer the narrative, to control the narrative. If the government doesn't like something you're saying, they'll flag it. And this is one of the scariest pieces of legislation that I have seen in a very long time. It is. And the government has set up, was it last year or the year before when they were setting up their, uh, their fake news panel, which who, who was charged with determining what is or is not quote fake news on the internet. So now I mean, they've uh, just really extended the powers of the thought police and that scares the hell out of me because you and I criticize the government all the time. So once this law passes, how long is it going to be until you and I are flagged for, quote, hate speech? Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, it, I, I, don't, I don't think it will take very long before you, you're, like our show is flagged. No, no, flagged and then, well, likely canceled. So, well, yeah, because uh, Spotify will have to remove us. Apple Podcasts will have to remove us. Like, it won't even be our choice. We'll have to be, they'll, they'll have to remove us if we're flagged. Yep, exactly. So it's, uh, yep, our, our test drive on socialism isn't going very well in my books, but it is getting worse because they're oh. just... And, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier this week where I said, you know, this may be the only time that I'm actually happy that we have a head of state uh, that is the queen. Um, because if if Trudeau does decide to go full socialist and, uh, like, um, start ruling with an iron fist, like, we actually do have the ability to remove them through the queen. Um, hmm? Would she? I, I don't know. But we do have the ability because she does still have the right to remove a government that is actually dangerous to its own citizens. Yeah, that's true. And I think that while we still don't have a governor general, even though we were supposed to have one 
quote, within weeks, and that was quoting Dominic LeBlanc, and that was how many months ago now? Yeah. I think the Queen would be able to exercise such a power with really little opposition because she doesn't have an official representative in this country. Yeah. Because, okay. I mean, so, let's, be, let's be real. The, the, the Governor General in Canada really doesn't take their, their uh, marching orders from, from the Queen. They take them from the Prime Minister's office. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, they 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 owe their their existence, their position to the prime minister who appointed them. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about COVID, but I think before we do that, because that's going to take up the bulk of the rest of the show, let's bat down the CFL because that really ticked me off when you sent me that article yesterday, because I ended up canceling my plans to go to Hamilton this year for Grey Cup. As did I, my friend, as did I. Because the CFL has now decided that, not for sure yet, but if we're going to have a season this year, it is going to be a short campaign, a 14-game season. And Grey Cup now will not be November 22nd. or It will now be December 12th, possibly. Maybe. Yeah, December 12th in Hamilton. In an outdoor stadium. Yeah, that sounds like a really good time. Yeah, like I, I, I heard that. I'm like, you know what? Even if fans are allowed in the building, I don't think I want to go. <laughs> That's going to be ridiculously cold. Well, exactly. I mean, uh, as you had said in a previous show not long ago, when we were in Calgary two years ago for Grey Cup 2019, it was, I don't think it was much below 10, below zero or in that range, but it was flipping cold in them stands. And, you know, even having blankets wrapped around us and everything else, it was bloody cold to sit there and watch that game. Oh, in the middle of December so in Canada, that close to the Great Lakes? No, thank you. No. Yeah, no, it'd be freezing. Absolutely freezing because it's so humid there too. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been in Ottawa on at like a January second. This was twenty oh twenty three years ago, twenty four years ago. I was in Ottawa for uh, a Reform Party Youth Convention, and it was twenty eight below zero. The wind was screaming, and it was. 96% humidity. Woohoo! I could see my breath freeze in the air in front of my face. It was it was the coldest I have ever been. Wow. Yeah. And and they want to have a gray cup in Hamilton in mid-December. <laughs> Yeah, you're really selling this game to people. So, um, like, they're nuts. I mean, at least put it in BC Place this year. Like, if it's going to be in mid December, put it in BC Place. Let Saskatchewan host their Grey Cup next year and Hamilton the year after. Just postpone them a year. Yeah, no, you're right. Because, yeah, 
I'm I'm not interested in in freezing my butt off to that degree. And and honestly, I mean, it puts into question if we're even going to have a season again this year because they still haven't confirmed it. It's all still speculation based on can they get fans into stadiums. And as we're about to talk about with COVID, we can't get any goddamn vaccines in this country. So how are we going to get people into the stadiums? Yeah, we're not allowed to go anywhere either. And there's that. So now you've, so, you've uh, heard of Telegraph Canada. Let's talk a little bit about COVID, shall we? Yeah, like, all right. I think it was last week when I said, hey, if there's a province in this country doing it right, it's B.C. And then the next day, B.C. came down with some massive restrictions and just threw that out of the, out the window. <laughs> yep. I mean... They can they we're in BC, we are not allowed to leave well they said when they announced it that we weren't allowed to leave our communities. But it's been clarified since and we're now not allowed to leave our health region. And BC has I believe four health regions, no five health regions. We have uh we have uh, uh, we have the Vancouver uh, uh, Health Region. I'm, it's not called the Vancouver Health Region. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, Coastal Health Region. Uh, we've got the, uh, the the Health Region on Vancouver Island. We've got Interior Health, which is the southern interior, like southern uh, portion of the province. We've got the Northern Health Region. Uh, so we've got like five, I believe, five different health regions. So it actually does allow for, uh, you know, quite a bit of, of movement if you want. But I don't live very far from Vancouver. Like I'm only about three hours or so from Vancouver. But I'm not allowed to go there. But I could go to Prince George, which is eight hours. Or... I could go to Revelstoke, which is four and a half hours, or I could go to, you know, um, uh, I could go to Kimberly, which is, you know, eight hours away. It's, but so it's, it's kind of a weird thing that they've done here that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because uh, they also said that while we're not allowed to go anywhere, Albertans are allowed in. Yeah, see, that's what I, f- I find a little odd. I mean, I'm, I'm glad because at least that means there's still some mobility. But Ontario, who um, you discussed on last weekend, is still on fire, and they've decided they were going to go through with having border patrols. So they've actually got checkpoints set up at Ontario-Manitoba borders and Quebec-Ontario borders. And the... The, the the Gestapo are checking IDs, making certain you uh, they know where you live, causing massive delays on the bridge from Ottawa to Gatineau, which is basically one city. But since Gatineau is on the Quebec side of the river, they're causing huge delays for people just trying to go to work or come home, and it's it's ridiculous to. I guess you're restricting travel in or outside of your province somewhat, but 
if I just I don't agree with the way Ontario is handling it. Just put it that way. Well, I mean, they the the BC government has given the RCMP the and and the city police forces in the province the powers to stop vehicles. Find out. Oh, you don't live here. Why are you here? And uh, to find out, you know, if you have a legitimate reason for not, you know, for being outside your community, and you can be level, you can be uh, hit with fines, which they have not told us how much they are. Um, and uh, but but the thing that really gets to most BCers is that we're not allowed to go anywhere, but people from other provinces are allowed to come in. But there, but if you come in from Alberta, you're not allowed to leave the first health region you come to. And the first health region you come to when you're when you're coming in from Calgary is the is Interior Health, which is where I live. Which means that all the people from Alberta that come into BC are all going to come here. Yeah, that makes sense. Like that doesn't. So they're they're gonna bring their you know dirty COVID infested bodies to my town. <laughs> I mean, like if you're gonna restrict the movements of the people in BC, then maybe maybe like I don't know. I mean, I don't. I I'm not. I I don't like these. I don't like the restrict restrictions on our on our personal movements. But if you're going to restrict our movements for our for our own safety, then maybe you should go the way Ontario's gone and restrict everybody. Like, I I don't. It when things don't make sense like this, I just it just frustrates the hell out of me because I don't like it. But it also doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, and Alberta as as an example has imposed restrictions now so that. If you go to visit Alberta, if even if you're going to visit a friend or family, you can't stay at their residence. You have to stay at a hotel or somewhere else uh, because you can only stay in another residence in Alberta if you're from Alberta. So I'm guessing that means if you're from Edmonton, for example, and you go visit a friend in Calgary, that you can stay there because it's another residence. But if you're from outside Alberta, that's a no-no. And it's just a yet one more inconsistency. And I'm going to go back to Ontario because I do have to give a shout out to the police services in Ontario who decided to say no to the provincial government, that they are not going to enforce the Gestapo tactics of stopping people randomly and demanding to know where they're going, why they feel that they're, you know, on an essential reason for being outside of their house. But they have that power if they want to use it. Yeah, they've done that. They've done that in BC too. The BC uh, uh, Police Union or whatever I can't remember exactly. Or the the uh, uh, what is it? You know, the Association of BC Police Forces. Uh, they've 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 come out and said that they're actually quite offended by the government ordering them to do this, and they will not do it. Well, good. And then I'm going to do uh, well, I've got a couple more points to make. I guess we've still got a few minutes here. So, um, yeah. Jagmeet Singh, who 
we have said yeah. countless times on this show is a complete imbecile, is a buffoon, is a clown, is a moron. Proves us right yet one more time when I believe it was yesterday called upon Justin Trudeau to invoke the Emergencies Act to help Ontario. And then the police would actually have to use those powers that they now have been given and have chosen not to utilize because they would essentially become the brute squads if Jagmeet Singh were to get his way. Yeah, one more reason why Jagmeet Singh should not be an elite should not be a leader in this country because I, every step of the way he has he has demanded uh, Justin Trudeau invoke the uh, Emergencies Act. I mean, he's done that right from day one. He's he's repeatedly asked for him to do it. Like, like, does it's like he wants a dictatorship in this country because it, once Justin Trudeau invokes the Emergencies Act, which, by the way, one of his ministers has said they are considering, um, oh. he uh, he has dictatorial powers. And I'm not saying this facetiously or um, or any or, or 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 exaggerating in any way. If he invokes the the Emergencies Act, he has legitimate dictatorial powers. Nothing has to go to the House of Commons. Nothing. Every order made by the federal government is done by a uh, executive order where all he does is Justin Trudeau writes up a new law, signs it, done. No voting, no debating, nothing. He he has dictatorial control, and he and when he does that, he also has control over provincial jurisdiction, and also has control over uh, civic jurisdiction. See, that's scary, and um, I know that he would like that, and I know that Jagmeet Singh would like that, and. I know that there are lots of people on the political left in Canada who would be cheering that on as well. But what they need to understand, what we all have to understand, is that there still needs to be some semblance of freedom in this country. Um, and I, Indulge me for a minute, please, Canada, because I know this will turn into a bit of a rant, but freedom has to mean something in this country. Freedom is not just some words you find in a dictionary or in your political science courses or a word that is some kind of philosophical abstract that the bow tie wearing class talks about in their university faculty lounges. Freedom is supposed to be something that we as Canadians are born with that we savor and protect. We have a charter of rights and freedoms that is getting stomped on every single day because this goddamn government looks at freedom and thinks it's some kind of a punchline. And so many of us are applauding them. So many of us just say, yeah, well, it's for the greater good. So many of us are just saying, well, yeah, it's, it's for safety. So we will 
give up our neighbor's freedom by calling on them for having six people in their backyard instead of five. And we've got freedom to move in this country, but yet we're allowing governments to curtail it because we say, oh, it's a virus, a highly survivable virus. We've talked about that thousands of times. And governments encourage us to give up our freedoms, to step all over our charter of rights and freedoms. And we let them. And we've got to stop letting them because we're going down the socialist path. And Justin Trudeau would like nothing more than to keep taking us there. Well said. I, 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 all I mean, all I will add to that is that Canadians don't value our freedoms. We don't. And they should, because without them, we live, we, we don't live in a free country anymore. We really don't. No, we don't. Absolutely. And I mean, it's when you lose the freedom of speech, when you lose freedom of speech, you lose your freedom entirely. Because without freedom of speech, you have no way to oppose government, no way to uh, oppose any injustices that are coming from the government. Because you don't have the right to speak anymore. And it's, it's something that, that is the single most important freedom we have, is freedom of speech. And there are people on the left who are actively trying to have that removed. And the fact that they want it removed and they are doing everything they can to have it removed by invoking censorship, the internet control bill, banning books, all of these things. It should be scaring the living daylights out of people, and people should be standing up and saying enough is enough. And that's but exactly it. Yeah. But, but, but Canadians are not standing up and saying enough is enough. And that scares me. It does. You know, I... Uh... I've never been a member of the military, but I do thank all of those who, who did join the military to fight for our freedoms in a literal sense. But it's really past time for the rest of us to fight for our freedom in any, any other sense. As you said, we need to speak up while we still have our freedom of speech, because once that's gone, the rest will just fall like dominoes. Yep, Absolutely. Well, on that sour note. <laughs> yep, we'll, uh, we'll give you that to think about, Canada. And uh, and thank you for joining us. And thank you for indulging my, my little rant at the end there. But uh, we do appreciate everybody joining us. I do want to point out that Lewis's rant in only 24 hours has had a crap ton of downloads already. So we definitely appreciate that you're still staying with us and that our listenership continues to to increase up and it's uh you know trending upward i should say right in an increase so thank you all for continuing to join us thank you for sharing this with your friends and family and whatnot and until next week it is tony here in saskatchewan and lewis out here in bc good night canada good night <laughs>